Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asia-Pacific markets are trading mixed this morning as investors turn their focus to economic data due out from China, Australia and Japan today. Ryan Huang, back from a break, looking really refreshed, joins me now as we go through all the market action. How was the break? Yeah, pretty good. The break's always welcome. Uh, how was your Wednesday? It was good. It was uh, like your typical hump day, you know, <laughs> full of drama. Uh, well, one day closer to the weekend, so just hanging there. <laughs> Oh, it's the bear of good news. Let's kick off this morning with Goldman Sachs, whose profits have tumbled to a three-year low. It is the only mega bank to miss its second quarter earnings mark. Morgan Stanley, J.P. Morgan Chase, Bank of America have all topped expectations. So why has Goldman Sachs fallen short? Yeah, when you think about Goldman Sachs, mm. you think about big deals, M&As, IPOs. That part of the business did not do well. That's one reason why we saw... A bigger than expected drop in second quarter profit. The other part of the equation is another part which did not do well, which is the consumer side of things. And that's where it's been trying to scale back and retreat to some extent. So it's been writing down its green sky business that comes up to the tune of around $500 million. Also, write downs related to real estate investments that's around $485 million. Yep. And this all comes off the back of what's been trying to do with its Marcus consumers business, which has been cut back as well. So that's the whole idea here. It has to, in some sense, suffer short-term to benefit long-term. So lowest quart- quarterly profit in nearly three years. Indeed, Goldman Sachs' reputation for deal-making is taking a hit. A weak climate for mergers and acquisitions hurting its bottom line, as are write-downs to its commercial real estate business and the sale of a lending unit called Green Sky. So, I guess, you know, the next logical question is, what do you make of Goldman Sachs' business going forward as compared with the other big banks? Yeah, so if you look at the ROE, or return equity, which is a key measure of profitability, that's down to 4%. And if you stack it up with the other big boys, it's the worst among the top US banks. So it has to do something to get more profitable and bring in the cash. And I think in that sense, it's doing a pretty good job in the sense that you are prioritizing what typically makes you the money. And for Goldman Sachs, for a long time, it has been deals. And they have pointed out this is a cyclical sector. Things come and go depending on market sentiment. And I think what they're doing right now is to right size and position themselves for that cycle to go up again. And in time to come, I think they will benefit from that and reap the fruits of what they're sowing right now. Yeah. I want to bring it back home to Singapore where Sabana Industrial REIT is in focus. This is the first of the Real Estate Investment Trust to open its books and the results for the first half of the year appear to be pretty good, at least at first glance. Revenue jumped more than 23%, but higher property and utility expenses largely negated the jump. Walk us through the numbers. Just how is Sabana Reed doing? Yeah, if you're an investor, you're going to be liking this headline. Yeah. DPU is up 1.3% to 1.61 cents per unit. And this is for the first half on what they describe as strong operational performance. So on the surface, you've got that going on for it. And they say this improvement is backed by 
a better occupancy rate, underpinned by strong leasing momentum. And this coming through from third-party logistics providers in the first half of this year. So I guess, hey, it does look like it's going pretty well. Then I think that's where the details start to matter when you have some concerns being raised by its auditor. And that's where Sabana Reef's independent auditor uh, is saying, hey, going forward, there are a couple of dark clouds you might want to watch out for, which mm. is why they're flagging, hey, there is um, this, what they deem as significant doubts about Sabana Reed's ability to continue as a going concern. And here is where they are saying what's coming up is a couple of things. One is, if you've been the headlines, Active's Investor Quartz Capital has been quite active in trying to make changes with Sabana REIT's way of doing things. And this is with the whole model of how a REIT is managed. Typically, you have a REIT manager in charge. So they want it to be changed to an internal structure to reduce conflicts of interest, or at least what Quartz is uh, deeming it, which would be what they feel more aligned to international standards. So if this is this big push right now, uh, where there might be a change in the way it's being run, and in turn, if that change happens, it could affect financing agreements with various lenders. So it does throw up a lot of uncertainty for um, things like your operating metrics and what to look out for in terms of costs and how things are even run. So there's a lot of things in the air right now that I think which uh, an auditor is trying to flag. We'll keep an eye out on uh, those auditors flashing warnings there. Sabana Industrial REIT has a portfolio of 18 industrial properties spread across Singapore, including logistical hubs and warehouses. It will pay a distribution per unit of 1.61 cents. That's a bit higher than a year ago. There are doubts about Sabana's ability to stay in business, right, Ryan? Yeah, there is that part. Um, I think um, it's been quite a long-running issue for Zabana facing so many protests from various shareholders on various fronts. And the latest one, of course, coming through from Quartz Capital. Uh, they have been trying to make changes. And this is with the view of how Zabana re- also shares the same sponsor as ER- ESR Logos, re- ESR Group. So Mm-mm. there is what they deem as conflicts of interest, because both operate in the same space. So there are questions whether everything is going to be smooth in the sense that who is going to get priority when it comes to the sponsor um, deciding who gets the property they're trying to offload. So there are a lot of questions that they to answer. And I think a lot of um, questions as well around the way the REIT manager is structured. So a lot of uncertainty, which could be some headwinds for Sabana REIT's share price. The activist investor Quartz Capital Management is trying to remove Sabana REIT's management team and it has called for an extraordinary general meeting to do so. Stay tuned for more details on this side of the story as it plays out. Let's turn to broader markets and more US earnings now. The S&P 500 finished up for the seventh time out of the last eight sessions. It rose a quarter percent. The Dow? Did even better, rising 0.3%. The Nasdaq finished basically flat but still in the green. Now, one stock that lost a bit of ground, in fact, it's been losing more in after-hours trade, is Tesla. It has posted mixed results after the market's close. Um, do you think 
Okay, let's have a look at the numbers. Down 4% in after-hours mm. action. So do you think that investors are disappointed with Tesla's results or are they maybe taking profits on the stock's recent yeah. rise? There has to be a certain element of taking profit here. So you mentioned 4% down in after-hours. Mm. How has it been doing so far? Year to date, it's up 169%. So what's 4% right in the grand scheme of things? Maybe it is time to look at your accounts. Maybe it's time to figure out has everything been priced in? Mm. And if you look at the latest numbers, people are saying, hey, it's not what I thought it was in the sense that it was weaker than expected. And also part of the trouble here is the overall numbers. Even though revenue is going up, it's coming at a price. And that price is that Tesla has to offer discounts to bring in revenue to raise sales, to make it cheaper. And to give you an idea what's been happening on the discount front, uh, they've been cutting prices for many rounds in the past year. And this year, they've cut prices of the Model Y long-range version by a quarter Mm -hmm. to around $50,500. So by a quarter, that's the type of margin pressure it's under. And even though revenue is up, margins are down, in fact, falling to 18.1% down from 19% in the first quarter. That is a four-year low when it comes to margins for Tesla. So it's under pressure on profitability. Profit concerns, they're explaining the uh, profit-taking. Tesla is maintaining its production target for the year to make 1.8 million vehicles, but the EV maker says it will focus on reducing costs. So while Tesla shares are down this morning, as you rightly pointed out, they have more than doubled in value since the beginning of the year. Beautiful number, that one. All right, let's turn from electric vehicles to media, where Netflix is reporting earnings. On the one hand, it appears to be doing better than many of its competitors. Subscriber numbers are up. So is cash flow. But investors are selling off the stock in after hours. What is going on here? (laughs) It's one of those things. Depends on how you read the tea leaves. (laughs) So Netflix does have some impressive or encouraging numbers, at least. And you mentioned the bright spot which is the number of subscribers coming online. It added 5.9 million new streaming customers from April through June. Earnings also top expectations. And where it fell short of was the forecast for revenue in the third quarter. So there seems to be expectations being priced into Netflix that are not being met. And this is seeing a share price down nearly 9% in after-hours trading. So there is a lot of competition, as you imagine, in the streaming space. And people are just raising the bar for Netflix. They're not able to meet the bar, even though they seem to be chugging along quite okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of things they're trying to do to stem the tide is in the US and in Canada, they are scrapping the basic plan, which is the, um, I believe, nine ninety nine tier plan, which is what most people have. The ad-free plan is being scrapped. So this would then make it uh, for what would be the cheapest, the ad-free or rather ad-paid version. So the ad-tier version is going to be six ninety nine. So then trying to incentivize people to go towards ad-tier mm. as your cheapest plan, taking away the basic tier. So that gives you a larger gap to consider because the next price plan would be around fifteen forty nine, ah. And then the premium plan would be nineteen ninety nine. So when you put it together, there's less incentive for you to gravitate towards the basic plan if you have such a big gap. You want to go to either six ninety nine or fifteen forty nine. 
clever pricing there given what consumers have come to expect of their viewing experience ad-free. So Netflix moves as well to crack down on password sharing appear to be paying off if you look at the numbers. It's revenue though coming in below expectations and Netflix shares down more than 8% in after-hours yeah. trade. Michelle, would you yeah. be willing to pay for Netflix ad-free or would you be willing to pay for cheaper six ninety nine plan? I ads? cannot get over uh, ad-free watching. It's changed my life. I can't go back. Yeah, that was the point of Netflix anyway, right? Yeah. Do away with what cable TV was serving us, all the ads. Well, you could see a smart marketing. They lulled you into that experience. Ah, you have to pay even more now. Fifteen forty nine. They took it away. Yeah. Uh, all right, time for corporate news and our daily game of up or down. First up, a beauty and wellness company. They're called Oddity Tech. Okay, Oddity <laughs> Tech. Um, in the news, because they had a pretty good day one pop on its market debut. And this is a company that uses AI to develop cosmetics. <laughs> Everyone's using AI these days. Yeah. So I guess that's a good story for investors. It's up 35% on day one. Transforming beauty and wellness with AI. In fact, using AI as well to sell cosmetics directly to consumers. Its brands include Il Maquillage and Spoiled Child. This Israeli company, by the way, grossed 165 million US dollars during the first quarter of the year. It also went public on Nasdaq overnight, and that saw its shares pop 36%. Amazing. That is an up for Oddity Tech. I need to check out their makeup too. Next, let's look at the Dutch semiconductor counter. ASML. Yeah, this is an up and this is an interesting one because ASML, if you've been following the news, mm-hmm. is a Dutch semiconductor equipment maker and it's been pretty much right in the middle of the US versus China trade war or trade dispute. So they've been under restrictions of sorts not to sell some of the more advanced equipment to China due to national security reasons. Uh, but even despite that restriction, it has seen its sales go up and it's forecasting full-year sales growth to go up by 30%, up from a previous forecast of 25%. And guess what? Partly due to Mm -hmm. demand from China. So Mm -hmm. Chinese customers are still buying, buying the slightly older equipment that's not subject to those restrictions. So I think overall, you're seeing a lot of um, demand or at least what's needed to power devices, AI, data centers, and for ASML, they are, well, the shovels and the picks that you might need to go on that journey. They certainly are. ASML is one of the world's most important semiconductor equipment firms. It is reporting a jump in profits of nearly 40% for the second quarter of the year, and it's predicting full-year sales will climb 30%. Now, there could be clouds on the horizon, as Ryan alluded to. Analysts also warned that ASML's business could be hurt going forward by U.S. export restrictions on China. But despite that uncertainty, I'm still going to give ASML an up based on its strong earnings. NASDAQ, the company that owns the exchange, not the index. Mm, The exchange operator. I am going with a down for it because it has to pause its plans to release a crypto custody business. If you remember, not too long ago, everyone was just going on about NFTs, various coins. And along the way, NASDAQ decided, hey, I think this is a business you want to get into. But now they have decided because of regulations, paperwork, and all the potential liabilities, maybe it's not time now to get into it. 
Ah, that's interesting. I take a slightly different view on NASDAQ this morning. The second quarter profits are coming in above expectations, and the exchange is apparently doing a good job of diversifying its revenue stream. So it's not as dependent on fees from new listings. I'm going to give NASDAQ an up. On online used car retailer that I always want to call Canva because they're so <laughs> similar, but they call Carvana. Carvana is a pretty nice name. Uh, it is up. And this is because it has managed to reach an agreement with some note holders to reduce their debt by $1.2 billion. And investors are liking the news that the balance sheet is going to look nicer. So I'm going with up. Yeah, I'll join you there. Investors have gone crazy over this stock, Carvana. It has a lot of debt, but has reached an agreement with its creditors to restructure more than one billion US dollars of that debt load. Carvana shares jumped forty percent overnight. They are up one thousand percent since the beginning of the year. You heard me right, one thousand percent. So up, up and away for used car retailer, online car retailer as well, Carvana. For our last entry, let's come back home. Let's look at Keppel. All right, Keppel is going to be an up for me. And this is potentially game-changing. Uh, it's the first hydrogen-ready coal generation plant. So quite a mouthful, but in short, it is the first power plant to be announced in Singapore in seven years. And as we outlined, it is hydrogen-ready, which means it's going to be greener and possibly pave the way of um, more to come. So I'm going up for Keppel. Um, because of his new project. Keppel has broken ground on a new hydrogen power plant on Jurong Island. It will reportedly be the most energy efficient plant in Singapore when it comes online in 2026. So I'll join you there. Let's give Keppel an up. Do you like heavy movies, Ryan? It depends on, I guess, what else is happening around me because it can be quite draining. You need to be in the right mood to be able to absorb everything. Good point. So Oppenheimer and Barbie or Barbenheimer, people have been calling it, both open tomorrow. Uh, I want to share a little factoid I learned about Oppenheimer. The IMAX version is the longest IMAX film ever made. And I don't mean time. The film is more than 17 kilometers long and weighs 272 kilos. Yeah, when you think about IMAX, you think about the films. I think that's why you have such a massive um I guess asset because of the length of the yeah, film. Massive. I, I think it's three hours long. Is it, is, I think that's three hours long. It makes it extra heavy. And because of its heaviness, only 30 locations island-wide will work with this IMAX reel. Most of those in the US. Bad news, you can't watch the IMAX version in Singapore just yet. Yeah. Are you going to watch Barbie or Oppenheimer first? Um, start heavy or start... No, so I think I start with Oppenheimer and then transition to Light Barbie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's pretty, but not so deep, apparently. And on a, <laughs> I guess, higher note. Uh, I guess. Uh, what about you? Giving a miss or definitely um, watching both? I'm going to watch a Tom Cruise movie first. You know, I haven't watched that yet. You can tell me whether you think it's worth my money, all right? I will, I will. Thank Maybe you. this weekend. <laughs> Ryan Wong there. I'm Michelle Martin. Stay with us here on Your Money. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.